You are listening to Grab Them by the Pod, a member of the Ace Podcast Network. Welcome back to another exciting edition of Grab Them by the Pod. I'm your host, Kevin. Jesse along with me once again. And what do you got for us tonight? Oh, it's been a crazy, crazy week. Yesterday in the afternoon, we got reports that the Mooch, Anthony Scaramucci, is out as communications director after only 10 days. We're going to talk about that yeah, in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we get to that, though, I just want – I know, Kevin, I'm, I can speak for you when I say uh, thank you to all the listeners for all the kind words you said. We mentioned we were running for town council and board of ed in our local town. Uh, we got a lot of people coming out saying they were happy for us. They really appreciated people running at the local level and trying to make a difference. So – Thank you all for all of your wonderful, kind words. It was fantastic. Yeah, I really can't say enough uh, how much we appreciate that. But more importantly, for those of you out there that are uh, active in your local communities, like that's the way change happens, right? We don't make the kind of changes that we talk about on this show or that we just talk about in general that this country may need to see. It happens at the grassroots level. So if you're at all considering, you're thinking about it, get involved. Yeah, Your community needs you. We're not talking about it to brag about us. We're talking about it to inspire that if we can do it, you can do it. Kind of like Rocky said at the end of Rocky IV. And we can all do it. Maybe we can all make a change or something along those lines. Something like that. So before we get to the mooch, um, I want to talk about the skinny repeal failure from last you could say Thursday night, Friday morning. I was up to 2.15 a.m. on the East Coast watching this. And it was fantastic political theater, but I was pretty cranky on, on Friday um, one, so we, we mentioned in the last episode that uh, earlier last week we saw the uh, bills for repeal and replacement repeal fail in the Senate. Susan Collins from Maine, Lisa Murkowski from Arkansas, um, both voted against those. So Alaska for, she's from, right? Alaska. What did I say? Arkansas. Arkansas. It's the AK gets me every time. I know she's from Alaska. And it's funny that you know one of the reasons why she's not beholden to uh, Trump or his things is that she actually did not win the nomination um, two times ago and actually won through write-in votes. That's how much they like her up there uh, in Alaska, not Arkansas. <laughs> um, so, so needless to say, she's not worried about a primary that the president yeah. may try to get her into. Yeah. Well, yes. Following those first two votes, the president basically tried to call her out on Twitter. Um, he had the secretary of interior ryan i think it's zinky or zinc uh call and threaten her and he basically said that you know if you don't vote the way we want you to vote it could jeopardize projects in alaska um, might screw up some of the uh oil issues we have up there the bridge to nowhere that the, was in alaska, wasn't it? <laughs> that was another uh a governor of the past which we would not mention at this moment <laughs> um but another example by the way of the trump administration just not knowing what the hell is going on in anything and just pure and utter incompetence, the administration failed to realize that Murkowski is actually chairwoman of both the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee and the Appropriations Subcommittee on the Interior. So in layman's terms, she has oversight under over the Department of Interior and its funding, and this guy wants to threaten her. Oh, such dummies. Well, see, it again, as you said, Jess, it, it shows the incompetence of our current administration, that not a single person apparently within the White House thought better of this, that you know, Senator Murkowski oversees this. She chairs the committee that would vote any bill back to the Senate to be voted on. And so she has oversight of this stuff. And it shows that the president doesn't understand how our constitutionally governed system works. He doesn't understand checks and balances, that he cannot rule by fiat. He cannot just, you know, from on high say that this shall be done. And 
you know, try to hold out on people if they don't go his way. She's got she's got the power over him here. Well, to be fair to his staff, I don't blame them. There's only so many bullet points you can put on one piece of paper. After that, you just leave off a few things here and there. So that all happened earlier last week. Fast forward to Thursday night, Friday morning. Uh, the Senate was poised to vote on the skinny repeal. Mitch McConnell... I would call it his Hail Mary hope to pass something. Uh, the skinny repeal would have repealed the individual employer mandates, defunded Planned Parenthood, uh, eliminated the medical device tax. You know, slightly better than the previous ones. Not 24 million people without uh, coverage, only 16 million people without coverage. And you know, that's, that's better, right? We should, we should all support that, right, Kevin? Sure. 10 million fewer people than originally proposed would not have their health care. So it would only be 16 million yeah. instead of 26. That's that's great. Wonderful news. You tell us to the 16 million people. So um, the voting process, I, I mentioned it earlier, was like 90 minutes of political theater. I turned on C-SPAN. I, I was like just screwing around, thinking about going to bed. And I saw someone post about this coming on C-SPAN. So I turned on on my iPad around 12, 10 uh, a.m. on the East Coast. Um, around 12:21, there was a vote to send the skinny repeal back to committee. You know, no big deal. It wasn't going to pass. No one expected it to to pass. Uh, and then afterwards, they would vote on the real deal. And while every senator voted on it and it failed as we knew it would, the Republicans kept the vote open for over an hour. And why? Because they didn't have the votes to pass the skinny repeal, and they wanted to try to secure them before calling for the vote. Not good. No, and I will have to say this, that Jesse, you are a better man than I. I don't stay up that late. I can't keep my eyes open. So for you to watch it in real time, it must have been exciting. You know, you and I are, are political eggheads. We like to watch this sort of stuff. Unfortunately, I have to usually catch it uh, on replay the next morning. Yeah, I, I wanted to go to sleep, but I just couldn't. Like, I couldn't keep my eyes off it. Uh, we, we knew that Collins and Murkowski were likely going to vote no. Uh, the wild card, the swing vote was the Maverick, John McCain. Um, last episode, we discussed John, Maver uh, John Maverick, <laughs> John McCain. It's a good and, nickname for yeah, him, though. Yeah, why not? John, Johnny Maverick um, and his yes vote to, on the motion to proceed. Uh, we talked about the speech that where he basically said the legislative process on this bill has been totally foobar. Uh, we know we had some people listen to the podcast were saying he's McCain's the worst, he's horrible. Other people liked what he had to say. Uh, the next hour... Twitter flipped out, and I had to be on Twitter because while I had the floor and C-SPAN on, it was just senators talking to each other. There's nothing else going on because they're trying to convince each other. Um, we went on visuals. We tried to see, read body language. Um, so kind of a breakdown of the next hour. So McCain was chilling with his BFF, Lindsey Graham. You know, they, they have a bromance going on. Um, then McCain seemed to be having a fun conversation with Collins and Murkowski. Everybody was like, oh, maybe he's going to vote against it. Maybe he's going to vote against it. Uh, then a reporter dropped a notebook from the gallery on Senator Tim Scott's head, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, John McCain spent about 20 minutes talking to Mike Penn which I was saying if I was like Murkowski or Schumer, like don't let a Democrat leave his side. Stand by him. Don't let anybody talk to him by himself. Be the bug in his ear yeah, until he votes. You know, what are they going to say, go away? I'm like, no, I'm standing right here. Um, then the Republican senators you know, started to look a little agitated, weren't too happy. And Cornyn from Texas was bitching and whining. We, we knew that was going to come. Uh, then McCain started chatting with Chuck Schumer, who were Democrats, and Diane Feinstein hugged McCain, which were like, all right, this is looking good, but no one knows what's going to go on. And around a little before 1.30 in the morning a.m. on the East Coast, the Republicans finally decided to end the previous vote and start voting on the skinny repeal. And as expected, uh, Murkowski 
from Alaska, not Arkansas, and Collins from Maine voted no, and everybody everybody was voting on party lines, and um, five minutes or so after the vote begins, uh, McCain had disappeared. He uh, was in the back room, and he comes out of the cloakroom, waves his hand to get attention of the clerk, and like a Roman emperor judging a gladiator, uh, signifies his vote with a thumbs down. Like a scene out of a movie. Uh, and uh, following this uh, vote, there were like audible gasps uh, from the other <gasps> senators. Yeah, <gasps> and then it was like a applause. Schumer and Warren and others uh, went nuts. And uh, finally, around 1:40 a.m., the vote ended, and the skinny repeal failed to pass 49 to 51. Pence was there for no reason because he didn't have to break a tie. And uh, I was feeling good that I stayed awake that long. Well, I'm proud of you, and I'm glad that you were able to live to report it to me, and I was able <laughs> to see it for myself, uh, repeated on YouTube videos. But, you know, it's a reminder of, like, the first go-around with an attempt at repealing in the House, and Paul Ryan had to back away from a vote because they didn't have the votes, and this was all up in the air. Okay, and then for John McCain, the Maverick, to come in there with the political theater at its finest, and for the hand motion and everything, you couldn't make this stuff up. You know, you'd have to write it in a book. Let's be honest. I know we don't want to say these things, but there's a very good chance that John McCain. This is this is it for John McCain. You know, he's he's this is his last go around the Senate, so he's not beholden to his party. Um, He wants to do what he thinks is right for his for his constituents, and you know, I applaud that. And again, if you have a vote on a bill that nobody wants to actually see become a law, that's not good. If you have to convince people and beg them to vote for a bill because it's it's not that bad, it shouldn't become law. These are things that go back to the drawing board, work together. Don't put these crappy bills up there just because you want to pass something. Right. Clearly, you need to be looking out for the betterment of the American people. And if you're slapping together these things you know, haphazardly because you're just trying to defeat the other party and put their ideas to bed. That's not good for America. You know, winning isn't always important. It's doing the right thing. Uh, the reason why this is also nuts and also dramatic is because these days bills aren't voted on usually if the if the result is in doubt. You know, they just will pull a bill. They won't bring it to the floor for a vote because they don't want to to lose. So they thought they may have McCain. Then McCain uh, did that old switcheroo or so, something like that and, and surprised everybody. It was, it was, and right after the vote, you know, McConnell, he looked like he was ready to cry from the podium. Uh, in the background, Hatch, who I, you know, I used to work with him on the Senate Finance Committee. He was seemed like a nice guy to me. Uh, I don't agree with his politics. Uh, he looked like he was going to cry. He expressed his disappointment and basically blamed the Democrats for not being a part of this process, even though they purposely kept the Democrats out of this process. It's, it's ridiculous that they can actually say these things with a straight face. Well, Jesse, do you think the emotions on McConnell and Hatch and any of the others who uh, looked pretty devastated by the failure of the bill, do you think that it's coming from the failure of that bill or or more importantly, for what it looks like on its face to the American people that they were failures, that that they could not accomplish what the president and the leaders of the Republican uh, caucuses in, in Congress had set out to do. Well, Bill Simmons, from he was on ESPN, he was at Grantland, he's currently at The Ringer. He came up with something a couple years ago called the Manning face, and it usually was probably because of your boy Tom Brady, where you look at, Tom, at, at Peyton Manning and he's like, I'm the like, – I'm 
skilled, skill-wise, I'm the best quarterback on the field. I'm doing everything right, and yet I'm still losing this game. How is this possible? And it's like McConnell, we have 52-48 majority in the Senate. We should be. We have the White House. We have the House. We should be able to pass this. And somehow I can't figure it out. I think it's just like, how, how is this possible? Well, I'll tell you how it's possible. What you're doing is not good for the American people. And some senators are finally standing up and having a conscience. And and the funny thing is that we learned that when McCain disappeared to the cloakroom during the votes because he got a call from Trump. And guess what? McCain hates Trump. Just think of what Trump said. Trump can call me hero all he wants now. Think of what Trump said about McCain on the campaign. You know, I I like people who aren't captured. Uh, Just the ridiculous things he said about McCain. If this was the last opportunity for McCain to do one big F you to President Trump, I think he took it. It certainly would seem so, uh, and you know I'm proud of him for doing it. You know your your words and your actions have consequences, and uh, this is an example. So, um, and by the way, McCain is getting all of the love and deservedly so because we didn't necessarily see it coming. But but Collins or Murkowski, they are this could have been done without them either. Um, Collins is I, I I've always said you know, at this point what you would call the most moderate Republican. Um, remember, but it's, it's there's not many of those around. Again, Murkowski, uh, she doesn't have a re-election in 2022. Trump might not even be around anymore. She was just re-elected. Uh, she's going to do what she wants to do, and she's not scared of uh, what the White House might do instead. Well, and given the president's treatment towards women, as we've seen, it's given us the name of our podcast, right? <laughs> uh, it would seem that it was even more difficult for them to stand up to the White House. By the fact that they are female senators, knowing what m- types of repercussions might come from the president if they should vote no. And so good for them for standing up for their beliefs and for their constituents. We said this time and time again. It doesn't have to be a partisan thing. Uh, the things that Trump have sa- has said should be found disgusting by a lot of people. Some, some of the things about women uh, in particular. And that doesn't matter whether you're a Democratic woman, a Republican woman, uh, an independent, you know, independent, uh, I feel like I'm Beyonce. I, all the single ladies. Um, but they, they should find the things that he says reprehensible about women, what they'll do if you're rich and all these things. And I think it finally shows the Democrat, the Republicans are rebelling, maybe not rebelling, maybe it's a strong word, but they used to be freaked out about Trump. If you said something wrong about Trump or you didn't vote the way Trump wanted, they would they would primary you, he'd tweet about you, you'd lose, you'd be out of a job. Suddenly we see these people slowly growing a spine and standing up to him. Well, perhaps they are seeing and realizing that they will be on the wrong side of history if they should vote the way the president wants them to. And so, as you said, they've grown a bit of a spine. They're willing to stand up. They realize that you can't govern out of fear. That really and truly gets us nowhere, that you actually have to stand up for what is right and what is best for the American people and the constituents of your state and your district. And if we get Pence in there, they can fall in line behind Pence. You know, I, I very much agree with Pence's views on pretty much every subject, but uh, he's a normal Republican to the extreme, if, if, if that makes sense, whereas Trump is just a wildman. So, um, you know, I, I may not agree with uh, Pence's uh, thoughts and views, but he'll act a normal politician, and you know how to combat that. Well, we so, certainly know he won't be grabbing any women by, you know, any anatomic body parts because unless, he won't it's, his, unless it's his wife that's all it's always exactly allowed. he won't even be in a room alone with a woman unless no it's no because you know, he's so irresistible that the women just can't stop uh, jumping his bones 
Mm. All right, on to our boy Scaramucci. We teased it in the beginning. So I had a whole thing written out yesterday uh, about the craziness for Anthony Scaramucci over the weekend and, and towards the end of last week. And then I see Scaramucci out at the White House, and my my head almost exploded after 10 days. So this news broke that he's out as communications director. Huckabee Sanders uh, yesterday said that he's no longer in the administration and really had nothing else to add. Um, Wait a minute, could you do your impression of her, though? You actually have a very good one. Well, he's currently no longer uh, in the administration at this time, and uh, the White House really has nothing else to add at this moment. Uh, the, the president thought that his comments were inappropriate uh, for someone in his position, which makes me laugh. Oh, oh Scaramucci's comments were inappropriate in someone in his position. You're the president of the United States, and everything you say is inappropriate. That's a whole other matter. Yeah, it's a whole other conversation. So let's discuss um, what exactly got Scaramucci in such hot water. And, and stop me uh, in between if, you, if, if I just keep babbling on. So Wednesday night, apparently, the Mooch called Ryan Lizzo, reporter for New Yorker. He's also an on-air contributor to CNN. And uh, while the Mooch might be communications director, he doesn't seem to be aware of the whole, you know, on the record, off the record thing. On the record, off the record. Yeah. Yeah, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're a couple of Italians talking to each other. So I, thought, I thought we were in love. I mean, you'll learn throughout this thing, yes, he, Scaramucci is Italian. Um, he's also Definitely from New York, is. much like the president. Um, you know, we're New Yorkers. I'm a New Yorker. You're a New Yorker. The president's New Yorker. You know how it goes. So um, he was pissed that someone leaked the fact that he had dinner with Donald Trump, Melania, Sean Hannity, and Bill Shine. Uh, and, he, and Scaramucci demanded to know Liz's source. He threatened to fire the entire communication staff if Liz didn't give him that info, which kind of made Liz a laugh. Cause he's like, well, I'm sure that really hurt his feelings. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, um, you threatened me. I'll now give up all of my sources and now basically give up all my credibility as a reporter. No, it's, it's not going to happen. And then he tried to say, you know, I want you to be an American patriot. Uh, tell me, it's just not going to happen. Um, and there was some discussion that maybe Scaramucci uh, had a drink or two or was all hopped up on wowie sauce or something. Because he was acting kind of crazy. Yeah, it, it certainly seemed that he was never really a good fit for the position he was in, and even the administration finally figured that out. So I'm gonna go as we go forward in this discussion. I'm gonna do my best to uh, use my uh, school by schoolboy voice, and you can maybe read between the lines exactly what was said. Um, he, he dude hated Reince Priebus. Um, he thought Priebus was behind the leak, and he said. Uh, you know, Reince is an effing paranoid schizophrenic, a, a paranoic, uh, and then pretend to be uh, previous said, you know, let me leak this effing thing and see if I can block these people the way I blocked Scaramucci well, for to, six months. Not to interrupt you, Jesse, but <laughs> no. to use the word paranoic, there was a lot of buzz over whether or not Scaramucci was just mouthing off and invented a new <laughs> word. Turns out the word paranoic is not, according to the New York Times, a new word. And so no Mooch cannot take credit. For inventing it, however, so night, you know, well played. You used a very big word that many of Trump's supporters probably never heard of. Yeah, I'll be honest. I, I don't think I've ever necessarily heard that word either. So, um, and then just before tagging previous in a tweet about the leak, he told Liz that he had to go soon because I've he goes, I've got to start tweeting some crazy stuff to keep this guy crazy, make this guy crazy. Um, so we'll we're we'll talking about previous later on too. Um, the Mooch was convinced that someone leaked his financial disclosure form, even though, by the way, it was publicly available. He said he called the FBI, the Justice Department, to get to the bottom of this leak, uh, which, you know, people are like, that's kind of a misuse of your power. Wouldn't you agree? I certainly would. Yeah, you know, wham, people know my disclosure list. Wham. Um, 
I don't know how I'm going to get around this one. He, he claimed that he doesn't want it. He's not an attention whore. He doesn't want the attention of the media. He goes, I'm not Steve Bannon. I'm not trying to suck my own beep. Use your imagination. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was obsessed with leakers. Uh, he says, I, I effing want to I want to effing kill all the leakers. I want to get the president's agenda on track so he can succeed for the American people. He, but this dude loves talking about himself in the third person. You know, he talks about himself as the mooch. Um, the mooch, the mooch, the mooch, and everybody like I know people who actually really know him, and they said, yeah, he'll be like, yeah, man, the mooch did this. It's it's not just for show. He's he's kind of nutty. <sighs> My only regret is that we had but ten days to get to know the mooch. I'm telling you, man, I thought this guy was nuts, but he was like gold. Like, could you imagine Saturday Night Live coming around and seeing whoever they're gonna put? I mean, I don't know if they used Melissa McCarthy for that too. Would have been great. Listen, the heck with parody. I want a reality television show. This dude, you know, didn't get a job working for the uh, the Sopranos, probably. Uh, I think you know, life with Mooch or Mooch in the middle. Or, Could be onto or, something. Yeah, you know, it's that's called like Lifetime or one of these one of these channels and get him going. Um, and by the way, he also said that centuries ago these leakers would have been hung. And I, I don't want to be that guy because you know it's not like I'm like a big English major, but I believe the correct term is hanged. You hanged a person and you hung a plant. Nice use of grammar. Look at you that. are correct, sir. I think I found that while reading The Crucible uh, in high school. <laughs> oh. Kind of like when a, when when a baseball is hit, you, you flied out. You didn't you didn't flew out. You, you want to say you flew out? You flied out. Anyways, um, he ended up tweeting a kind of apology, saying, you know, hey, you know, I'm Italian. Sometimes I use colorful language. It won't do it again. He's pissed because Lizza reported all this, even though he's you know one Italian to another. We mentioned. Um, by the way, this is. I, I feel a little gross talking about it, but I will anyway is that uh, Scarabucci's wife filed for divorce a few weeks ago while she was pregnant. Uh, this is following the birth of their kid uh, on last Monday, and as far as we knew, Scaramucci hadn't seen the kid yet because he was too busy doing this. So he got fired. He had to sell his business. He lost his wife, hasn't seen his baby. Was it worth it? Ah, oh, the makings of a country song right there. Uh, you know, rumor has it his wife was no fan of the president. Yeah, and, and it's funny that reports also said that he thought that she's not on his level. She's not smart enough. That comment right there you just said, Kevin, leads me to believe she is definitely smarter than Scaramucci. Yeah, I would say. Oh, you know, all we need is for his dog to die and his truck to break down, and we have we have the Scaramucci song. A lot of these stories we're talking about, Kevin, it's kind of like what came first, the chicken or the egg. It's like a big circle. Everything leads to the other thing. It goes around and around. So the Mooch came in, and he fired Rance, or he didn't technically fire Rance Priebus, but it seems like he had a big part in uh, getting rid of Rance Priebus. They did not like each other. Just like Spicer, he did not want him in the White House. And, of course, Ivanka and, and Jared did, and Daddy listens to the kids. Uh, between you and me, Kevin, and everybody listening, the GOP establishment doesn't do well in this White House. They're getting fired left and right. Yes, because the White House is cray-cray. Cray, cray, and and that's actually a very accurate term. It, it hurts me to actually be saying that. Um, and the weirdest part is Trump tweeted that that Priebus was fired while he was sitting aboard Air Force One on the tarmac outside of D.C. Priebus had been on the plane while this was all going on, and you know, I'll give him credit. He didn't let on to anybody this was going on. It must have been pretty awkward. And after the tweet, he got off the plane, got into a car, and was driven away without comment where everybody else went in the, uh, the motorcade. So bizarre. He couldn't just wait till they got to the White House. He has to do it while he's sitting on the plane. He's he has he has no no filter and he has no ability just to like, you know wait a moment maybe think things through. Yeah, no reason and no tact. And but when have we of everything we've learned this far into the administration, 
when has anything ever been done orthodox? Never. <laughs> so who's taking over for chief of staff? That would be John Kelly, who until Friday was Secretary of Homeland Security. He's also a retired mean general and the former commander of the United States Southern Command. Uh, Trump is expecting Kelly. By the way, when, I, when people see Kelly, I've heard a lot of people say, I thought they were talking about Kellyanne Conway. And I, I can understand if you're just reading a headline. Um, what you mean? But they think Kelly's going to bring discipline, orders to the White House. You know, he'd be couldn't deal with Scaramucci after that, and you just kicked him out. You know, it's it's business. And, you know, I understand he's a military background. Uh, but, Kevin, do you think he's going to make a good chief of staff? I mean, do you have to have policy background, too, or is he just going to go in there and, and write the ship? Well, I think one of the first things, one of the first orders of business that need to be done in that White House is to get things in order. And, and perhaps the military background will come in handy for that. The thing that concerns me the most is now some of the top advisors to the president, the ones closest to, you know, at his side with their their thoughts and ideas in his ear, are Steve Bannon, who comes with a background of hyper-conservative viewpoints and, you know, white supremacy, and John Kelly, who is a military general. I worry about, you know, military and white supremacy and hyper-conservatism being the president's agenda. <laughs> and that's, that's something to be legitimately worried about. Uh, you know, didn't play so well in Germany about 80 years ago. No, no. Um, you know, Ke- Kelly has some political background. I mean, he was uh, legislative liaison to Congress, but you know, I, I tend to think that when it comes down to advising the president on what policy to, to back, I don't know if that's, if, if God help us, if maybe that's where Bannon is there for, uh, you need somebody. This this whole thing is so funny. So if you think about it, they brought in Scaramucci to fire Priebus, which allowed them to hire Kelly, which led them to firing Scaramucci. Like it, it's a big circle, as I was mentioning earlier. I actually made a Venn diagram. I tweeted out yesterday on, and and in the center when all of them connect, it's chaos. Even though the president said there was no chaos in the White House, just mere hours before Scaramucci's firing. Shades of Ross Perot with your diagrams. Oh yes, but um, I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to the camera, much like Ross Perot would do. I think it was that famous Ross Perot interview when he's talking. I think it was Kurt Lauder on MTV, where he's he's trying to give an interview and he just looks straight at the camera, and ignores Kurt Lauder. Um, who's very old now. It makes me feel very old when I see how old these people are. We're getting old, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now there's a big empty spot at the Department of Homeland Security. Who's going to fill that? Well, maybe it's our good friend Jeff Sessions. Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions. The current attorney general. And why would you move him over there? I mean, if you look at his Senate background and just his, his career background, AG, whether you like him or not, makes a lot more sense than secure, Homeland Security. Um, the reason you could do this is because if you move him over to Homeland Security, it's seen as a way of getting him out of the AG position without actually firing him and possibly appeasing some some Republicans. Because um, last week, uh, Lindsey Graham said basically he would be up in arms if um, if Sessions was fired and if they got rid of Mueller, it would be like the beginning of the end of the Trump presidency. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if this is going to happen. Do you think this is going to happen? I, I don't know. But to quote Graham directly, he said there will be, and I quote, there will be holy hell to pay. If Sessions is fired. And I go back and forth. Like we've talked about this. I go back and forth on Lindsey Graham. Do I like him? Do I not like him? I feel it changes on the day depending on what the issue is and what he has to say. Um, it's it's just so bizarre. I mean, if you look at the comings and goings in this White House, so much has happened. Um, if you just look at Trump's tweets, he tweeted out making fun of Obama for getting rid of a, a, a chief of staff too soon. Um 
anything that Trump says, there's an old tweet making that, that makes it funny. And and it's you think you just go through and just delete everything from the past, just be rather be safe than sorry. Well, that doesn't seem to be uh, the way he does business. And you know we've seen this time and again where you know it's in print. He contradicts himself on a regular basis, but that doesn't seem to matter. Just imagine, this is 2017. When things go out in the world, it's there forever. There's no recalling information or scrubbing the internet anymore. Um, for better or worse, whatever you say, it's uh, it's there for life. For life. So uh, we'll just keep going on. It was, it's was it been a quiet day. Not gonna, I, I haven't checked Twitter in the last 30 minutes, so, so maybe something horrible has happened. I mean, we have North Korea to worry about. We can talk about that uh, maybe next time. Um, there's some stuff going on in this world, but, um, you know, in America, at least, in the last 20 hours, it hasn't been totally insane, and I'll take that as a win. We might need to knock on wood, Jess. Knock, uh, knock on wood. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> you know, the, this will continue to be a quiet day. You know, Tuesday, in the news industry, Tuesday is always, like, the quiet day. So it's living up to its name today. And tomorrow is hump day. So what do we, what do we have for Kevin's Corner this week? Well, Jesse, much ado is made about John McCain coming back to Washington after a brain cancer diagnosis, voting to proceed with debate on the repeal of the Affordable Care Act, but then ultimately being one of three key senators that voted against the skinny repeal, which led to the bill's demise. You may love him or loathe him. However, one thing that we should all respect is the idea that Senator McCain honestly opined in a heartfelt speech before his colleagues last week. Senator McCain accurately described how the Senate and any legislative body, for that matter, is getting nothing accomplished in the way it has been doing business. As McCain explained, by bypassing the regular order of how business should be conducted in America's representative bodies, working behind closed doors without consulting the opposing party, is counterproductive to our long-term success as a nation. We will get nowhere as a country if we continue to isolate ourselves without reaching across the aisle. Successful laws and policies are those that pass the test of bipartisanship. It would do our Congress some good to recite the phrase country before party until they act on that instinct. Very nice. I agree with everything you said. Well, everybody, remember to go to our website at grabthembythepod.com. You can find the links to all of our social media accounts, uh, to where you can listen to our podcast, just lots of great stuff. Uh, and then after you do that, just remember that you can see us here every week. Eh, give or take a couple vacations here. But for the most part, every week, and, and we are so happy that you guys are all listening to us. Um, you guys are great fans and uh, keep saying nice things about us because it makes us happy. Oh, we love you. <laughs> see you next week, guys. Later. 